This morning I have been told that my task is to speak on the theme more than conquerors um, in relation to women being in ministry. So turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 3, reading from verse 16, I hope. So this is God coming to the garden and Adam and Eve, who usually would come and fellowship with him, running away. And God asking them, where are you? So we are naked, so we hid ourselves. And when he begins to meet out the judgment, he reads out Eve's judgment. But when he says, what is this that thou hast done? Adam's first thing is, oh, it's the woman you gave me. You know, we are all very good at blaming other people, especially our partners, for problems in our lives. And it started from the Garden of Eden. So Adam says, oh, it's the woman you gave me. Then Eve says, oh, the serpent beguiled me. And I ate. So everybody's passing the buck and never coming directly to God that God, I also played a part and I also sinned. If even my part is 1%, I still need working on. But from the Garden of Eden, we have always denied our wrongdoing and we have always been very defensive. So when God comes to the woman, he gives her a judgment. He doesn't say, oh, how you and Adam are together. It is a shared anointing. Therefore, your sentence is the same. There's nothing like that. The Bible says we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So we'll all stand as individuals, not as Mr. and Mrs. Bishop Dag. You stand as an individual, and invariably, that is why we say in our vows that till death us do part, because something comes to part you. So you, you often arrive at different times before the throne, the throne of judgment. And um, we must all be conscious of the fact that whether you are a woman, whether you are a man, whether you are married, whether you are single, you will stand before God to give an account of our lives and what we have done or how we have lived our lives um, since God put us here. So God came to the garden, and the Bible says to the woman, he said, I'll surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Okay? And um, in King James, he says, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Amen? Thy desire shall be unto thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And, um, well, verse 50, in verse 15, that's where the judgment of the woman starts. It says, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Amen. So when God came to meet judgment, he, first of all, punished the serpent. The reason why I'm, I read the woman's judgment first is that the judgment in verse 15, or the punishment, does not relate to the woman. It relates to the serpent. And so when God is speaking 
to the serpent. If you look at verse 14, he says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go. It means Satan used, the serpent used to walk. And thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And that is why Satan is always on our case. Because the Bible says God took dust and make, made man. And if the punishment of Satan is to eat dust all the days of his life, then he's going to feed on our flesh all the days of our lives. But thank God that within, the Holy Spirit, when we are born again, comes to dwell in us and makes us more than conquerors. Amen. And that is why Paul says, in all these things, not outside all these things, not by all these things, but in them, we are more than conquerors. Amen. So to be more than a conqueror, you need to conquer something. You can't just be there. You don't have a battle. You have nothing to conquer. You say, I'm more than a conqueror. There's nothing like that. There must be a battle. There must be something to conquer before you are even a conqueror, before you become more than a conqueror. Amen. And so the, God comes and then says to the devil, I will put enmity. Between thee and the woman. So that's the devil's curse, not ours. So the devil's curse is that the woman will hate you. Therefore, a woman must be a very lethal weapon in the hands of God. Amen? To tell the devil that this person will be on your case. It means the person is a formidable force. And the person is somebody that God has entrusted something great to. He didn't say that to Adam. I don't know why. I think that because he was too chummy, chummy with the devil. So now God has to create enmity between the serpent and the woman. And it doesn't end there. Between her seed and your seed. That's Satan. So God says, yes, you go on dust, you go. But one thing, somebody is always going to be on your case. Somebody is always going to put you in your right place. Somebody is always going to bruise your head. And that person is the woman. Amen. And God says, yes, you bruise her heel. Because the Bible says that Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived. I thank God that it's in the past and it's not present continuous. Amen. Amen. So then when God says that, between your seed and her seed, you bruise the heel of the seed of a woman. That prophecy was fully fulfilled by the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because he's known as the seed of a woman. Remember that Jesus Christ was not born by the seed of a man. I didn't say it. Amen. So a woman and the Holy Ghost can change the world. Because it took Mary and the Holy Ghost to bring the Savior. So a woman is a very special vessel. And I believe that that's why she has untold persecutions. It's not easy for a woman to be in ministry. You may not know at this stage. 
but it will become more real as you grow and as you come into different seasons of your life. Of course, it's not easy for the man to say that uh, by the sweat of his face, he will eat bread, thorns and thistles are what the earth will bring forth and all that. And we, as women, we have added that to our case. The Bible says to us that in sorrow, that shall give birth. Your desire shall be to your husband. Amplified said you're craving and he will rule over you. So that is different. Then we have going to add Adam's case that by the sweat of us, because we now, we also go out there and work hard and climb the corporate ladder like Adam. Amen? Amen. So then, if you like, we have double trouble. But God will give you the necessary grace for everything he calls you to. So if God says that the seed of the woman will, will be also attacked by the enemy, your seed is not always biological. Your seed is whatever destiny, whatever purpose God has put into you to bring forth. It will be attacked by the enemy. Amen, somebody. I mean, some of you may say, oh, Lady Reverend, but I don't want to be attacked, but it's a prophecy. In the New Testament, you know, in the book of Timothy, God comes to say that women will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and sobriety and in righteous living, they will be saved. And in the New Testament, Although the, the, the Old Testament says your husband will rule over you, in the New Testament, God says you rather just submit. So it's not a forced thing under the new dispensations. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. And the name wives is the same word used for women. Amen. Now, Lady remember what does it mean? He will bruise the heel and we will bruise the head. The Bible says that Jesus bruised the head of the serpent. Do you know that? The Son of God bruised the head of the serpent, and the serpent bruised our heel. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 12, reading from verse 1. Remember the seed of the woman is her descendants, whatever has life in it that she's supposed to give birth to, her destiny, her God-given purpose, her God-given ministry are all seeds of the woman. So Genesis 12, verse 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman, everybody say a woman, clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. And upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. 
and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman. Everybody say he persecuted the woman. Which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen. I think this passage is a classic example of Satan and the woman and the contests and the fights and the battles that a woman goes through just to bring forth whatever God has purposed for her life. Amen. Now, the Bible begins by saying there was a great wonder in heaven. This scene begins in heaven. It begins in the presence of God. And the woman is clothed with the sun. The Bible says the sun of righteousness, S-U-N, will rise up with healing in his wings. So if a woman is clothed with the sun, then she must be clothed with some anointing and some grace from the Son of God and maybe some healing anointing to bring God's word and the, the full counsel of God to humanity. This is in heaven. She is clothed with the sun. Amen. And the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Remember, Israel and therefore spiritual Israel is made up of 12 stars. And usually when a crown is put on your head, it means that you have a certain power, a certain dominion, or you reign over something. So if the woman has 12 stars upon her head, I can extrapolate that 
she has a certain grace, a certain calling, a certain anointing, not given her by man, but given her from the throne room of heaven itself. Amen. Twelve crowns upon her head with twelve stars. Now, when you look at verse 3, there appeared another wonder in heaven. Somebody will say, ah, but Satan, does he have the nerve to be in heaven? But remember in the book of Job, the Bible says when the sons of God came to present themselves to God, Satan also came in the midst of them. Because he stood in heaven before he was cast out. And so he still has that access. And he's not, he's not um, ashamed. He should be, but he covers his shame. So that when the sons of God appear, he also presents himself with them because he has lost his place and that has pained him so much and he will do everything he can to appear among the saints. So when he comes, God says, where have you been? So I've been to and fro upon the earth. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? So Satan, another wonder also appears in heaven. As he sees the woman clothed with the sun, the moon is under her feet. The crown of 12 stars are on her head. He also says that, Hey, I also have to do something about it. Because there's a call, a grace, an anointing on her life. And I must make sure it doesn't come to pass. In all these things. It's not easy that you just come and you say, Oh, I'm called by God. And Lady Reverend, I, I just want to fulfill my call. And look, there's somebody who, first of all, will prevent you from hearing your call. And then, when you have heard, secondly, to prevent you from fulfilling the call. Many things come your way, as a Christian generally, and as a woman even more so. I've been to a church before, it doesn't happen often, but I've been to a church before where there was a guy in the church, he walked out and sat on the veranda because he said a woman is preaching. And he doesn't listen to women, I'll come to that. So he sat on the veranda to listen to the word. But whether you sit inside or on the veranda, it's still the voice of a woman. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So before you even start, you know, there's some gray area that Paul has gone to say that let the woman be silent. She should not speak. If she has any question, she should ask her husband at home. Somebody said, if I don't have my, another woman said, what if I ask my husband? He does not know. He's an unbeliever. How can I ask him at home? You know, but there's more to that verse, which I hope we'll have time to read. Because Paul says that he does not suffer a woman to teach and to usurp authority. Usurp authority is when you take authority that is not your own. When you make a coup d'etat and you depose people and you put yourself there, that is a usurpation of authority. Amen? And that, even in the world, is not countenanced, isn't it? A coup d'etat. But all those things are stones that are thrown against women. When a woman is coming to preach, she has more to contend with in terms of even um, criticism, I think. You know, when a woman is very strong, some women are very strong and they're very strong preachers. People say, hmm. I have people who tell me, but this prophetess, why does she shout so much? 
I said, because it's his style. So, no, 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 a woman should not shout like that. But when a man shouts, it means he's very powerful. When a woman shouts, it means she's not graceful. And they want to add all this to her calling, not recognizing that everybody has different temperaments, different graces, and perhaps also different vessels. We don't know about that. Amen. When a woman is preaching and she does not dress properly, she can cause half or three quarters of the congregation to fall or to last after her. When a man is preaching, these days I don't know, the world is a very strange place, but it used to be that when a man was preaching, not many sisters have that thought life. Sisters don't process so much by what they see, but I don't know, nowadays you are becoming Americanized. So. You know, so a woman has to consciously not wear certain things. Because if she wears certain things, the preacher will not be heard. Her body will become the preacher. So she has all these things to contend with. And then, as she goes on in life, sometimes a woman have come to me when I've gone to preach or to hold a program, that lady, even I was just at a chosen women's um, conference, women in ministry and lady pastors conference organized by Victory Bible Church. And the question and answer time, some of the things the ladies were asking, I have a grace, I have a gift, but my husband says I should just keep quiet and sit down. No matter what she has, I, I counsel so many women from so many ministries. One of them, she was a powerful chorister, powerful singer. As soon as she married, had two children, her husband says she shouldn't sing in the choir anymore. You are now a shopper, mommy, don't sing. Why? When she stands before God and he says, what did you do with the voice I gave you? Would she say, oh, I was married to Mr. Mensah? Is that enough of an excuse? So these are some of the things. But you see, when I was like you, I didn't know there was anything like that. So when they say, oh, women in ministry have challenges, I'll be thinking, oh, really? They should just get on with it. But as you grow, you come across all these things. Some of the ladies also came and said, I am the one called. So I have a ministry. My husband does not. But Lady Reverend, it's not easy for me. Of course, I counsel them to have a balanced life and all that. But it's just not easy. Sometimes when a woman is a woman in ministry, if she's doing law and she's married to her husband, the two ministries are not related. When I was working at Attorney General's, my husband was pastoring, or even before, if he was working at Kolebu, my work was not related to his work. Do you understand? But I've had pastors' wives who have resigned their work to come and work with their husbands. And if this Sunday, the husband feels she has misbehaved, sometimes, often she sits on stage. If she has misbehaved, she will be put on the front row. In his view. And if the misbehavior continues, she will be put on the second row. And then the third. But if, if a male pastor misbehaves, it will not be like that. But she has misbehaved, quote and unquote. So all these things discourage people. I'm, I'm talking from my pastoral experience. And many women say, oh, then let me just give up. Sometimes they are told, you are now a mother. Just look after the children. One of them told me, as soon as church ends, her husband looks at the watch and says, what are you doing? And she says, well, I'm trying to do some follow-up. I said, no, 
pack your things, live with the children now. Now. Some of you are saying, but you wait. <laughs> wait till you get there. So all these things, I believe, come against women because of the seed. So when you look at this verse, Satan also appears as a wonder. He always sets up a counterfeit to what God does. So he also appears as a wonder. But he's not a woman. He's a great red dragon. Great. When the Bible says something is great, it's great. It means that our adversary is great. But then the greater one, the greater one is in us. Amen. The Bible talks about the power of the enemy. It talks about the power of the enemy. The Bible doesn't say, oh, Satan is just powerless. It talks about the power of the enemy. But he says that none of it, nothing shall by any means hurt you. I give you power to tread upon all the power of the enemy. It means the enemy has some power. But as a woman who is more than a conqueror, he has given you what it takes to tread upon all the power of the enemy. Now when you look, the woman didn't have seven heads, but Satan has seven heads because all the authority in his life is varied. His head, just the head that will lead him, is seven. Ten horns. You see, he's seen that you also have a crown. He also has to create something else, but his own is horns. Seven crowns. Seven heads. And ten horns. He also wants something on his head, just like a woman has on the head, but it's different. But it's like, as you have something on your head, I've also created something else to oppose you and to fight you. Amen. So I just want to say that the woman doesn't have to do anything. She didn't call Satan that, oh, come, you know, it's a contest. She didn't have to do anything. She just had to be in the presence of God in heaven. And she just had to be clothed with her destiny. Then, before she knew, she was on the battleground. Amen? His tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman. The dragon, what Satan does, you see, this ten horns, seven heads, crowns and all this, it is a frightening picture. And one of the major things Satan will use against you when you want to fulfill God's purpose for your life is fear. Fear and intimidation is a major weapon that Satan will use to intimidate us. Amen, somebody. So he stands before you. You are about to deliver your ministry. You are about to deliver God's call on your life. You are about to deliver your calling. You are about to deliver the grace God has given you. You are about to deliver the talent God has given you. And before you can do that, Satan is standing before you. This fearful dragon is standing before you. He knew that the woman was about to be delivered. The Bible says the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered. Why? For to devour her child. The child will not even live as soon as you have it. I'm well positioned, well poised, and I'm standing before you. There's nowhere else you can go. The road is blocked. And I am waiting as soon as you have the baby. 
I will devote. That's what happens to whatever calling, whatever gifting is in you that you must bring forth. Satan is standing there because he remembers Genesis that God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed and she shall bruise thy head and you shall bruise his heel. So he's there, ready to devour. He doesn't give any chance. As soon as you deliver it, it will even grow. It will be eaten up. That's his purpose. As soon as you bet what God wants you to bet, it will not even see the daylight. It will die. That is Satan's plan. Amen. I didn't say, the Bible said, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Not, it will even let it be one week old. It will even let your ministry be weaned. And when I say ministry, I don't mean an independent ministry per se. I don't mean that, but whatever gifting is on your life, as soon as, as soon as, but we are not conscious of it. We just say, oh, Lady Reverend, I was just doing this and I stopped. Oh, Lady Reverend, I thought I was doing this and then I was afraid, I was shy. I was afraid of human beings, so I stopped. Lady Reverend, I was just doing this and then this boy broke my heart and I couldn't think anymore and I stopped. Your seed has been devoured fully. Sometimes emotional problems are the things that devour your seed. You are serving God, you love God, then you go and meet Joseph. As soon as you meet Joseph, your seed is devoured. Now, when you are saying, he is Lord, it is actually Joseph you are singing about, not God. He is Lord. You have put Joseph on the throne of your life. And the Jesus who died on the cross to save you, you have forgotten about, you are busily doing inter, busily. Busily. You may not say it, but another God has taken over. And Satan is very happy. He said, oh, let me occupy her with this. And then she will not see the need for anything. Yes, we are wired for relationships, but that is not your only purpose on this earth. Amen? Sometimes you go and put this Joseph on the throne, and then he disappoints you because he's a man, just like you are a woman. So I always tell people, if you are entering a relationship because you feel the person will never disappoint you, then you have backed the wrong horse. Because even you yourself, you disappoint yourself. Because you say, ooh, I meant to wake up at four, but I overslept. You have disappointed yourself, but you are not angry with yourself. Amen? But you are not angry with yourself. So in the same way, when Satan stands there to devour so when you are in, the, uh, uh, in a relationship, you put the person there as your God. Instead of having your quiet time, you are reading his letters as the book of John. When he has finished seeing you off, he has moved on to the next thing. You are meditating on the word. According to Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate upon You are, oh, he said he loved me. Oh, he said I was lovely. Oh, he said he has not met anybody like me. Oh. Now, you don't meditate on the word anymore. The word of Joseph is stronger than the word of God. But the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away. But not one tittle of my word will pass away. Amen? And I always tell ladies, God has not fashioned any man 
to meet all your needs, then God will not be necessary. Neither has God fashioned any woman to meet all your needs. Then God is not necessary. Amen? Amen. Go and read Esther 4.11. Esther was a beautiful woman. The Bible says that there was a public holiday for her wedding. The king laughed above all the beautiful women in Persia. Can you imagine? And she found favor in the king's eyes. But when Mordecai said, look, go into the king and go and speak, she said, although we live in the same palace, he has not called me for 30 days and we have not spoken. If you live in a palace like that, and for 30 days, due to some circumstance or other, you have not seen your husband, if he's your God, your life will fall apart. But if you have another anchor, then your life will not fall apart. Amen? Amen. I joined a group when I was in Wesley Girls called Friends of Ankafo. So we used to visit the mentally challenged people. Every time we went to the male side, it was drugs or something like that. Every time we went to the female side, it was relationships. Oh, Peter. Peter. I looked at us. Why? So you go to the next word. John, dear, why am I? John, dear, why am I? I looked at it and I said, I don't think I'll get married. If this is the effect relationships have on women, then it's not worth it. I would rather be a missionary to China. Yeah. It's true. I told my husband when I met him that I'm not getting married and I'm going to be a missionary to China. He said, oh, great, because I'm also not getting married for 20 years' time. But the vision changed. Amen. So every woman must know that there's an enemy who is especially on your case because of the seed that God has given you. And that the enemy would like to devour the seed as soon as it is born. There will be no passage of air through the time. As soon as. And so we must be conscious of the things that are against us, birthing our ministry and birthing the things that God has put into us. Amen. We're reading on. Because I don't want to preach my ideas. I want to preach the word of God. Verse 5, and she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with the rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Amen. You see, Satan doesn't know all of God's strategies. So when God says that in all these things, we are more than conquerors, it is for real. So though Satan stood there with fear, intimidation, so that the woman would not bring forth her seed, the Bible says, and she brought forth. So no matter what Satan's machinations are, you will bring forth what God says you will bring forth. If only you would stay in your place and be strong. Amen. So in terms of intimidation, she could even have miscarried because of such a fearful figure. A great dragon with ten horns, seven heads, and all sorts of crowns. She could easily have aborted naturally the baby. But there's a divine backing that you have as a believer. And so as soon as she brought forth, the child was just caught up into heaven to be with God. So it's not only our effort and what we know and what heaven itself protects the seed. Heaven itself fights for you. 
And heaven itself makes sure that when you bring forth whatever he has put in you to bring forth, he protects it. God protects whatever you bring forth. Amen, somebody? God protects whatever it is that you bring. So then the baby is caught up into heaven. But why was Satan against the baby? Because the seed has a mandate. And it is to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And Satan says, no. To rule all nations, no. The 12 stars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. No, it's not going to happen. And he's there to devour the vision. But God also has a vision. And that is to protect what he has brought forth. So it is caught into heaven and to his throne, into God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared for God that they should feed her there a thousand three hundred and three score days. Show me who has been called by God who has not had a wilderness experience. That's a different message altogether. I preached a long series on surviving your wilderness. But the woman flees into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. So as you obey God on your journey of ministry, on your journey of obedience as a child of God, you will have wilderness experiences, just like this woman. But you are not intended to die in the wilderness because in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Amen, somebody? The Bible says that she flees into the wilderness, but in the wilderness, she has a place prepared by God for her for a period of time. There's nobody in the Bible God calls who does not have a wilderness experience. If you look at Moses, he was called, he was brought up in the arts and great things of the Egyptians. He kills somebody and he flees. And the place where he finds himself is in the wilderness. And for 40 years, nothing is happening, it seems. For 40 years, he's at the backside of the desert. And instead of being a deliverer of God's people, he's looking after sheep. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, consider him who endured such contradiction against sinners. So sometimes in your work with God, you see contradiction. Ah, He's called me to save the people of Israel, but look at where I am. Look, how come I'm in the wilderness? And how come there are no Israelites in this part of the world? And how come in the place of Israelites, I have animals, sheep? But it's a place prepared by God. And God is preparing you for the next season of ministry. Amen? I myself have had my share of wilderness experiences. It's not every time that I'm active or I'm on the forefront. I have have experienced certain things that I didn't think was God's call. But I've learned that God's call is also shrouded in mystery, just like the birth of Jesus. Jesus is shrouded in swaddling clothes, so the, the cover deceives you. In the same way, your work with God in ministry can deceive you. Amen. When you see yourself in the desert, you say, ah, how is it related? When I first resigned from my work to come and work full time, I said to my husband, I really want to do spiritual things. 
I don't want to do para-church things. I want to do, eh, like what? I want to do something that has a direct relationship to, to ministry. He says, really? Then I'm called to a meeting and I go, they say, well, we thank God for your life, that you have come full time. Your letter and everything has been received, but um, we are sending you to the nursery school. The nursery school is something I started by the grace of God. My husband asked me to start. Actually, it began by me saying, I've spoken to my mother, and I think I should have a school, because my mother has a big education, because she says she will help me. And then he says, oh, no, then, then it's going to be a church school to start with. So I start this church school. I, I educate myself to have a diploma in Montessori education. And then I start the school with my own daughter, who is not yet working properly, but there's nobody in the school, so somebody has to come. And then I get a friend of mine to bring her child. So every time I'm going to work, I pass by there. But I didn't intend that to be the main thing I do. And then I said, well, you're going to the school. I'm like, what? I said, no, give me something that I feel a bit related to the church. Then he says, okay, then go and see the dean of a Bible school. Now, this dean of a Bible school came to the church much later. I was an MBA in Babieche. I've been there. <laughs> and this dean is going to show me what I'll do. So when I went there, I told her, oh, you know, I want to do something related to spiritual things. Even if you are giving me something to preach, to teach, I want something about ministry or... She says, oh, okay. She says, mommy, please, I'll have an answer for you. Is it tomorrow? So I go again and I have a meeting with her. She says, oh... Well, these are the subjects we've given you in the Bible school. English language and church history. Talk about dead things that have nothing to do with spiritual things. That was it. And I said, what? English language? Just say, even what I said, the person didn't even take it into consideration. And I started to think about, why? I go to this nursery. I was already doing that, but now I have to change napkins. I was doing that, but now it's my full-time job. And as I'm coming from my lawyer work, I have so many secretaries, do this, do this. Now, I have to do everything myself. It's okay. But the little things I'm asking for too is not there. And then, I also don't have an office. And when I say that, my husband says, oh, but on Sundays, you can just put your desk over there and just counsel the people. Hey, I'm coming from an air-conditioned office. <laughs> Who sent me? So I became very discouraged. But when I'm discouraged, my first port of call is the presence of God. Because unlike you, who am I going to, to pastor me? The person pastoring me is the person bringing these problems. <laughs> so what am I going to do? So I decided to go to God, and I was really broke, heartbroken. I said, you know, I'm just going to go back to my legal work. Do they know who I am? As I've come here, am I their co-equal? <laughs> so I started to see God's face. Crying, oh God, show me the way forward. Oh. And the Holy Spirit said, have you seen anybody God has called who has not had a wilderness experience? I said, really? That's where my sermon is from. Most of my sermons are from roads I've walked on, if not all. I said, what? 
He said, oh, look at Moses. I took him to the wilderness for 40 years. So if, and the wilderness is where you can't see me. And where there's no relationship between where you are and what I have said. And yet, you still have to humble yourself to go through a wilderness. He said, even Abraham journeying, he went through the wilderness. He went to a place where there was farming. He went to a place where there was no food in, and they had to go to Egypt to help. He said, look at Joseph. I called him, but he went far away from where my purpose was. And he didn't see how his brothers would come to Egypt, but I am the one who made He said, look at Jesus. He was led by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness. So what's your problem? The wilderness is a place where nothing grows. The wilderness is a place of seeming dryness. But the Bible says that when this woman flees into the wilderness, it is a place prepared by God. So if you want to be an effective woman in ministry, when you go through the wilderness experience, use this as a time of preparation by God to make you a more suitable vessel for his purposes. He meant somebody. If you're a Christian, you don't have a wilderness experience, then I wonder about your type of Christianity. Because even the Son of God has been through the wilderness. How much more you? Amen? And even in the wilderness, you are still more than a conqueror. And, it's, and what we don't have to be afraid of is that it's a place prepared by God. So God will nourish us, God will feed us, and God will take care of us. And in that wilderness experience, I decided, oh God, I'm just going to seek you. It's all about you. Another thing God said was that, do you see my disciples? I sent them to do a lot of unrelated things. I said, really, like what? He says, so like sharing bread to 5,000 people. Some people would have said, the type of anointing I'm carrying, I can't share bread to 5,000 people. This is not the call of God. But God uses everything. He said, look at them. I sent them to get me a donkey so I could ride on the donkey. I sent them to go and prepare a place for a feast. Say, is that all related to ministry? And God said, yes, it's all related. Ministry is a thing that will humble you. And being in the wilderness is one of the greatest lessons of humility. Amen. And you need humility to accomplish God's purpose for your life. Amen, somebody. Amen. She went into the wilderness and to a place prepared by God. That, not prepared by Satan. That they should feed her there a thousand three hundred and three score days. Amen. God knows how long you should be in the wilderness for. Sometimes your wilderness is self-imposed. That's different. This one, it's a place prepared by God. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. Everything God has, Satan has a counterfeit. As Michael and the angels are fighting Satan, Satan also has angels and he's also fighting. He's not... He's not afraid to fight the forces of heaven. But why all this fight, the seed of the woman? As soon as the woman brought forth, the child was taken to heaven, a war breaks loose in heaven. Michael and the angels and Satan and his angels. Why? Because of your seed. That is how important your destiny, your core 
your giftings are. And that is why you must make a vow with heaven that no matter what, whatever God has called me for, I will fulfill it. Because if your bringing forth your seed can create war in heaven, then you must know that it's not a small seed. You will bruise his head and he shall bruise your heel. Amen. And prevailed not. Why does he not prevail more? Because you are more than a conqueror. Because the greater one is in you. Amen. Therefore, even though Satan fights us, he does not prevail. And prevailed not. Neither was there their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and the angels were cast out with him. Why did that happen? It began with the seed of the woman. Our seed is so potent, so powerful, that when there's war, even Satan is cast out of heaven. And you should not remember, you should not forget the reason for the war was the seed of a woman. Amen, ladies. Sometimes some of the things that stop your seed may even be marriage. Some of you, as soon as you marry, all your calling flies away. Because marriage is hard work. And marriage is not something that is already made and then you just walk into it. You are now going to build it. So usually when we say in uh, fancy the awkward worry. It's like a worry is something that echo. It's not like that. Too. It's you coming to make that worry. What it should be with God's help. Amen. And so sometimes also even we have gynecological problems. We have challenges with childbearing. All these are arrows thrown by the enemy. Sometimes and often. And it can take up our whole life that we forget that there's a certain calling and there's a certain mandate and it is all a plan of the enemy. Satan was cast down. Now when he was cast down, <clears throat> salvation and all that came and we overcame him by the blood. But verse 13, when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he went away. Read your Bible. When the dragon was saw, saw that he was cast unto the earth, he went away. He went to look for a man. He went to look for what he would do. He persecuted the woman. When the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child, the seed of the woman. Amen, somebody? Amen. He persecuted the woman, not just because you are a woman, but because of the seed which brought forth the mantra. That is his main beef with you, is that you brought forth something from God. He persecuted the woman who had long weave on. He persecuted the woman who was constantly making up. He persecuted the woman who knew where the latest fashion was from. He persecuted the woman who brought forth the mantra. Because of the seed that a woman will bring forth, Satan will be on your case. Because of the ministry, because of God's call, because of God's purpose, Satan will persecute you. Will you stand the test? 
As for God, he has already given you the victory. The Bible says, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatsoever. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So the most important thing is that you must be born of God. If you are born of God, you will overcome. The Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. What is in the world is great, but the greater one is in you. The Bible says, nay, in all these things, through the wilderness, through the persecution, through Satan, being on our case personally, in all of it, we are more than conquerors. Amen, somebody. Hmm. Don't worry, I'll end soon. And to the woman, verse 14, were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she's nourished for a time and times and half a time, from the face of the serpent. When the psalmist says, you are my hiding place, sometimes we don't understand it. But I personally understand it. Because sometimes so many storms, so many things come against you that the only place that you can hide is in God. There's nowhere else. So when it says the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run into it and they are safe. The Bible says the woman was given two wings of a great eagle. Two wings of a great eagle so that she will look more beautiful. So that she will look more beautiful. What were the wings for? Amen. It is so that she can get away from the face of the enemy. Hallelujah. And that takes us to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Are you there? But they that wait upon their Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Amen. How many Christians of today know how to wait on God for themselves? Every time it has to be a prayer meeting, every time it has to be a conjugal meeting, we don't know how to wait on the Lord. The Bible says that the, the, the 120, they went to the upper room and they just waited. They just waited on God. Every Christian must have a time in her life when she goes away. It's not physically to a certain place or a certain room to wait on God for yourself. But the modern day Christians, we don't know how to do that. Even prayer, we don't pray. And that's why we are weak. And the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their... Why do you have to renew your strength? Because your strength will continually be running out and has to be renewed. Amen? And it is when you renew your strength that you begin to mount up with wings as eagles. This woman was given two wings of an eagle to fly. The wings of a Christian are prayer and waiting on God. Those are the eagle's wings that God gives us. Amen. Look, you may have as many degrees as the thermometer. 
But that is not what is going to help you in the affairs of this life. When the issues of life come knocking on your door, it's not your two PhDs. It's not your specialization in this and that. It is, it is written. Amen? When you are praying, you don't have anything to stand on because you never study God's word. You never wait. You're always busy, 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 empty busy. Busy in the house of God, but you don't know him for yourself. You don't have any inner strength for yourself. How do you renew your strength? The Bible says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of God will raise a standard against the enemy. Now, the spirit of God, you are not even conversant with him. What will you do? You say, well, I'm, an, I'm married to an anointed man of God. He has gone on crusades. Satan is knocking on your door. What will you do? Your child is sick. He's running a temperature. Yes, you are taking him to the hospital. But between the home and the hospital, what will you do? Do you know how to wait on him? Do you know how to call heaven to come on your case? Do you know how to intercede? When you see something that's not going right, you want it to... Do you, have you exercised yourself in spiritual things? Can you be in a room by yourself that I've come to wait on God? That you kneel down yourself, you start to lift up your hands in worship. After that, you are listening to some music. And then the whole atmosphere is charged. Then you begin to listen to some messages. Then you can't stand. Then you start to, I mean, be in another realm. It's all a renewal of your strength. Then you start to search the scriptures for yourself. But when Satan comes, say, what was Pastor Tim preaching? It was very powerful. What was he saying? If Jesus, who was the word, had to quote scripture to overcome Satan, why do you think, you know, you have to quote daily guide and these type of things? What makes you think that? They that wait upon the Lord. If you have a ministry, you have a calling, you have a gifting, you must have the habit of waiting upon God for yourself. For yourself. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you have a financial flood, a marital flood, a child flood. And, hey, all these floods, what am I going to do? The high ground is in Jesus. The high ground is not in fashion. Yes, look good, I believe in that, but that is not your God. You go and bring your mascara, and when the devil is knocking, you say, hey, hey. It will not do anything. But when you know how to wait on God, it may not start... You may not be used to three hours, but you can start. And when you start, you keep growing in it, growing in it, growing in it. You know, you, you begin to love God's presence for yourself. And you begin to see that, except the Lord helps you, you can't help yourself. So the woman was given two great wings of the eagles that she may fly. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You need renewed strength. No matter what, you can't just be there and say, I'm anointed, sir. It takes the Holy Spirit to anoint you. And the more you spend time with him, the more you look like him. That's what it is. You see, one of my sons who just finished, he's now a barrister, the second one, and he's called me one day and said, Mommy, thank you so much for always praying for us. I said, how do you know? Because I don't tell them that I pray. He said, oh, I had a vision. I was praying, I had a vision. I saw you. There was a small rug by your bed, like the rug that you have. And you were lying on it. And you were weeping. And, you were, and that is exactly my posture. That's exactly what happens. So I saw that vision. And I just want to thank you 
for praying for me, for covering me with prayer. Because it's not by good upbringing, you know. God gave birth to Adam and Eve, and yet they rebelled. The perfect parents. God, the perfect parents. Amen, somebody. It's they that wait upon him who renew their strength. And you, knew, you need renewed strength to go on. Because the battles are a lot. And you become weak. Go and ask Aite powerless. It doesn't become weak. Amen. And when the serpent saw that, verse 15, and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away. <laughs> oh, my God. To be carried away of the flood. It's like now I'm running after you. I'm not getting you. They put you in the wilderness. Then at a point, you are also now uh, uh, waiting on God, and you are mounting up with wings as an eagle and all that. So now, how are we going to be sure that we will catch up with you? Amen. But when you look at Isaiah 59, verse 19, Isaiah 59, verse 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against it. Amen. We need to cultivate a friendship with the Holy Spirit because it is the spirit of the Lord which will lift up a standard against the enemy. Satan is now creating a flood to drown the woman. That is how precious your seed is. He's casting water out of his mouth to flood her so that she will be drowned. But the Bible says when there's a flood, the Spirit of God also comes into play and it sets up a standard against the enemy. Amen. And the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth, that's very angry, with the woman, with the woman, with the woman. When he saw that the woman had brought forth the boy child, he persecuted her. And here too, he is angry with the woman, the source of all his frustrations. Hmm. And went to make war with the remnant of her seed. Genesis 3, 15. Between your seed and her seed. And went to make war with her seed. And those that obey or keep the commandments of God. And have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So when you are a Christian, you have to know, first of all, it's a battleground. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Some of you have been fighting in town with a trot trot driver. It's time to fight a good fight. Amen. And went to make war with the remnant of his seed and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen. When he came to the point that he felt, I can't get this woman, he went and made war with the seed. Now look through the Bible. Any special seed a woman had, she was persecuted. When Eve brought forth her seed, one killed the other. When Sarah was carrying Isaac, barrenness, she cannot give birth. Then Hagar comes in. 
then there's a major confusion. Then Abraham thinks in his head secretly that this is actually my seed. And then God comes and says, no, my covenant is with Sarah. She has to give birth to a certain particular seed to come. My covenant, as for Sarah, your wife, my covenant is with her. And I've changed her name from Sarai to Sarah. When you look at Rebecca, she's not giving birth. The Bible says Isaac prays for her and treats the Lord for her. And when Isaac does that, Rebecca goes to inquire, and God says, two nations are in their womb, not two boys. Women have fantastic seeds they must bring forth. Two nations, two nations are in your womb. What if you don't give birth to the two nations because of all the problems? Even in the womb crowd, they are fighting. And because of that, your health is compromised. So Rebecca goes to ask, why all this beating, battering, kicking all around? Why? So two nations are in the womb. The older shall serve the younger. When John the Baptist must come, barrenness. Until the appointed time. And even when the, before the appointed time will come, Zachariah is also struck with dumbness because he has gone to ask a question. <laughs> when Jesus is born, major conspiracy talking in the neighborhood, Joseph says, I'm just going to leave here because this Holy Ghost situation, I don't understand. The Bible says Joseph was a just man. So he said, I'll privately put it away. Even your relationship can be uh, 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 hampered just because you want to give birth to that seed God has chosen you to bring forth. And after the seed comes, they have to run away with Jesus to Egypt because Herod is looking for him. And when he doesn't find him, he slaughters all the two-year-old children and below in Israel, all of them, because of that seed. That's how precious your seed is. So every woman must make it a point to just obey God. How do I know the seed? How do I, I'm ending now. How do I know the seed? How do I know what's happening? I think that the key to knowing the seed is obedience. Obey God in whatever he calls you to. God, my husband says that the only two jobs that start from the top are well digging and grave digging. They start from the top. But every job starts from below. <laughs> Amen? And being a minister, the word minister means servant, not king. So if you don't have a servant spirit, don't come into the ministry or obey God because God calls us to be servants. He says that the, the Gentiles, they exercise lordship over them, but as for you, become a servant to all. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. That's what Jesus said. So it starts with servanthood. Some of you say, mm, sweeping is not my ministry. It is part of ministry. So God has called me. Nobody can tell me what to do. Hey, if you are not subject to authority, how can you exercise authority? There's nothing like that. And it's often when women are rebellious, they don't obey, and then your, your ministry is lost. Then you say they, they don't sense the call because of your behavior. So I pray that we will be conscious of the fact that we are constantly under the radar of the enemy. And thank God that he has not left us alone. Because when you look at the story of this woman, she was never left alone. Angels fought on her behalf. The earth opened and swallowed the flood. Her child was caught up to heaven to be with God. God nourished the place for her in the wilderness. There's nothing that you go through that you are alone. In everything, God will be there for you. And I pray that whatever is in you that must come forth will not be aborted because you are more than a conqueror. Amen. Thank you.